0: Hello and welcome. I'm Ashwin Ahmed and I'm very pleased to be in conversation with former Ambassador Anil Trigunayat, a noted West Asia expert. And today, we are not only going to be talking about the Israeli-Palestinian ceasefire, but about US President Joe Biden's role in it. Ambassador, first off, a very warm welcome to you. Thank you, Ashwin. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you always. Thank you so much. Now, the first thing I want to ask You know, you may have noted the Israeli security cabinet's uh, wording was interesting to me. They talked about a mutual and unconditional ceasefire. Now, to me, this was certainly very interesting in the fact that neither Israel nor Hamas till then seemed uh, ready to back down. So if I can ask you very simply, what do you think was going on here? What was the U.S.'s role? And do you think this is a durable ceasefire? Well, you rightly
1: mentioned, if you remember that from, in fact, uh, day one, as soon as uh, the Hamas, uh, you know, fired these 200-odd rockets onto Israel and Israel pounded it, and the very first or second day, I think, they killed about 10 major Hamas leaders, especially from the military wing, so-called. So they had achieved uh, partially their objective to that extent. But uh, Correct. Correct. the Egyptians and the Qataris had been immediately started working over time to uh, bring about a ceasefire. The very first ceasefire proposal was brought by the Egyptians and Qataris together, along with Russians, on the second or third day from the Hamas side, which we had agreed that the wording was mutually agreeable ceasefire mm-hmm. that both sides have to simultaneously agree and do it. That is what was the wording, which of course Netanyahu immediately discounted. That very day, Biden had spoken to. Netanyahu and told him that you know that like what are you going to do about it? How long you? My understanding is that as a, when uh, what everything that was publicized essentially was that the Israel's right to defend itself. That became the tagline of that conversation. But the fact remains is that even at that time, Biden told him that not to exceed beyond a point and also to scale down and de-escalate as soon as he can. And these were his words were as soon as. Uh, So they were under the impression that three, four days, uh, Israel would have achieved its objective of debilitating the Hamas military capabilities and will be able to have some kind of a ceasefire on their terms. Well, nobody actually in the process, I believe that even though Israel has the best intelligence and the best military power there, but Hamas's capabilities since 2014 has really strengthened and multiplied. Now, we have seen in the last 11 days more than 4,000 rockets, even though they are not that effective or whatever it is, but they have a damaging capacity in the southern Israel and different parts uh, in the, in the area Ashkelon and all. And so they they just did that kind of a damage. Now, that is where um, the United Nations has always, always supported Israel for their special U.S., for their special relationship that they maintain, for their domestic constituency, the Jewish pressure on them. You will recall that during the Obama time, when Obama did not want Netanyahu to come to Washington, D.C., he did go to Washington, D.C., and he even addressed uh, the Congress. Now, you can imagine the kind of power the Jewish lobby holds, and so does Netanyahu. Now, personally, Netanyahu and Biden, as far as one knows, do not have a great equation. Even though Biden is a great supporter of uh, Israel and has always been there. So he tried to is persuade this Netanyahu to, to scale back. It did not happen. In the meantime, Biden himself, for whom Palestine was not a priority at all in the beginning, because yeah. he's more into his domestic issues, of, uh, fighting those more importantly than and China and Russia are the other issue. But Middle East per se, and Palestine especially, yeah. was not on his agenda in the first place. But he got dragged into it. And when he got dragged into it, now the only option, plus globally, and plus UN Security Council, we have seen it was 14 to 1 virtually and he did not allow the open discussion in the first place when the open discussion happened they did not allow any statement to come out of it when that happened then they even um, the, their statement was that we are talking to the israelis and we are quite confident that israel will do. now if you see biden's statement he has very clearly said that he has spoken to netanyahu six times during this period. Mm-hmm. blinken has been talking only yesterday blinken has spoke to his counterpart at least two times in the same yeah. way, trying to yeah. make sure that the ceasefire happens and that Netanyahu does not go back on his word because then the, you had the UNGA session going and then the international community coming under tremendous strain and in turn more pressurizing
0: the US. And so I think that the US was pulled into it. Ambassador, you've raised a very interesting point at one level you had President Biden doing what I would call the traditional U.S. foreign policy line of blocking the UNSC resolution to the point of ridiculousness. Yes. You one unexpected at least a, a small statement from him. But at the other point also, do you think it was to juggle the pressure at home because he also has to manage the Iran nuclear deal? So was he afraid of not being seen as, you know, too pro, uh, you know, Muslim Palestine. Is that why he was balancing on Israel and then?
1: Well, I I don't think that is specifically the reason. That could partially be, but from Iran's perspective, you yeah. know, Iran has first tried to um, cyber do the cyber attack on Nathan's facility, right? What was that? Before that, they tried to kill some people. Now all these acts have the, had the potential of escalating the situation to such an extent that not only the JCPOA could have gone for a six, but also that uh, the, the whole peace process and there could have been another kind of a warfare that could have happened. Correct. While the I feel the Iranians had the strategic patience that they maintained during the Trump period, last year of Trump, as well as during the first three, four months and have not bitten the bait as far as Hamas is concerned. Hamas definitely is quite close to Iran, right? They have very, I would say, umbilical relationship now. And so is Hezbollah and so are Houthis. The 3H that Iran commands. But at the same time, I think that what Biden, in my view, was his policy he tried to uh, uh, adopt in the beginning because the Middle East was not on the except the Iran deal that he tried to be equanimous to all, if you see. He took one month to talk to Netanyahu. Right? He pruned uh, the, uh, clipped the wings of uh, MBS and Saudi Arabia said he will only talk to King Salman. He yes. was Iran also. He tried to put pressure the same way. Did not we are not going to. So what he tried to do, and but on the same time, what he did was created some confidence building measures with them. Houthis, for example, were taken out of that list of terrorists. So he was trying to have an equanimous approach so that you can become a trusted interlocutor in that sense. He would have definitely taken on the Middle East, in my view, after the Congress elections, yes. right? Because yes. that's very important yes. for him. But in this very particular good. sense, and. As I said, that if interpersonal relationships also count. Sometimes uh, they understand very well that Israel will leave no stone unturned to block the possibility of this Iranian deal going through. So perhaps Israel may have also this calculation may have been there. Although I, prob- mm. I personally feel that it is more, or it was more, because of the political opportunism than anything else in this particular time, especially. And uh, so I think that this is what uh, was the game that perhaps Iran will get uh, embroiled in the whole thing and again uh, make a wrong move uh, and that could uh, put the other things on to hold. So I believe that that is plus Hamas obviously has been decimated to some extent uh, during these 10 days. So he has achieved his objective as far as that is uh, concerned.
0: So Ambassador, now where does Biden stand as far as his Middle East policy is concerned? I'm talking about specifically at home. You've got the progressive Democrats, which uh, from Bernie Sanders and Ilan Omar, they will brook no compromise as far as Israel is concerned. You have the other wing, which is firmly uh, pro-Israel and anti-Iran. Now, given the tight majority he has, I mean, he has a very slim majority. I think Kamala Harris gives the deciding vote. So how can he navigate what he wants to do because he has a very complex set of circumstances that he has to ensure. He has to ensure the ceasefire remains. He has to ensure the Iran deal goes through. So if you were the U.S. president, how how would you see him navigating this going forward? Well, as far
1: as I think that, you know, he is basically an internationalist. That is also a fact. Foreign policy actually has been his strongest point. And for 20-odd years, he has always been involved in uh, various foreign policy issues across the world, and he has really carried forward these great things. So for a change, he has a very good professional team, uh, right? Whether Mm -hmm. Blinken or Sullivan or somebody. So now you have seen that he has deputed Blinken to come here. First, they simply send this Amr Hadi to come here, uh, and a special envoy who tried to talk on the daily basis with these uh, both sides and trying to bring down the pressure. Because, see, on Israel, the only country that can, that can put pressure is U.S. No other country can put that kind of a pressure on uh, Israel. And uh, mm-hmm. they know it also. And that's why what happened is, as you know, that during this period, the deal has come up for discussion, the seven thirty-five million deal uh, of mm-hmm. smart weapons that were going to be given to Israel. That has been cleared by the administration. Mm-hmm. But in the Congress, Bernie Sanders, as you said, they are all talking about it, that this should not go uh, without any strings attached. So there is a now Israel also understands that, irrespective of the fact that they have a very strong Jewish lobby, or a primary focus of the American foreign policy is the sustenance of the edge of the Israelis in the region. I mean that is that has been there and that will continue to be there. So what he will be doing, I think that they are going ahead with the JCPOA. That will of course will depend on how much Iranian moderates are able to pull it off. Twenty first May, that is today. Uh, was a very crucial day for that, so we don't know how far uh, today what it decides for that deal. Because then the the Iranians either have to go forward, then they have domestic elections. so it'll depend on many things. But they would try to probably, in my view, agree to a phased sanction, especially on health grounds. I mean, uh, the pandemic issues or providing them. A... So that that remains, and uh, Iranians might scale down their enrichment program a little bit, and then probably eventually wait for everything to happen after the, the elections in Iran happen. On the other hand, on this front now, as I said, they have been dragged back. Now, mm-hmm. into a rather early, a prematurely in a way. That's why I said that their focus was mainly on Congress. Somehow, though, that they can elections, they can get a majority and can move forward. Many things. Yeah. Because so far, he has been the only president who has done the maximum number of administrative orders, the executive orders, as they call them. Shoot. So mm-hmm. here... Now, I think that they have to ensure that is, I think the Egyptians have been given the task to ensure that the there is a supervision of ceasefire on both sides. And uh, if the ceasefire holds for next 10 days or 11 days, there is a possibility of uh, direct negotiations once again coming. But for oh. that, there is going to be a major problem. And that problem is, how do you reconcile the differences within Palestine itself? And I have always maintained that as long as Hamas and uh, Pateh do not stitch an alliance which is workable or have some kind of a unity government they are in no position to frankly negotiate a palestinian solution
0: correct that is something which is
1: very important
0: ambassador i can't let you go without a small question here regarding india you must have seen the tweet by prime minister netanyahu where you know he tweeted a list of countries who were in support of israel he put their flag We, uh, you must have seen in the, there was a lot of talk in our media that, you know, India is not mentioned. Now the deputy chief of mission in a recent, she said they, you know, Israel values its ties with India. But do you feel, given your experience as a diplomat, do you feel from their side, they expected perhaps a little more from us? Is it, uh, I mean, how do you read this uh, turn of events? Well, um, I think that uh, you know
1: the both the Palestinians and the Israelis both expect us to take one side only, right? Mm-hmm. That we should stand with that side, irrespective of what they do. For example, this time it was very clear that the Hamas was the first one, despite the, the provocations, really charged them to give a warning to Israel and then start attacking. So they attacked, and one of our Indian citizens died in Ashkelon, as you know, in the Gaza rocket fire. Now, so that gives India an opportunity to condemn that, and we condemn that violence in the statement, if you see from our ambassador. Yes. Please. Israelis feel that we stand with India all the time, whenever there's a problem with Pakistan or with any other country happens, and India does not unequivocally come to But it is actually those of us who have handled this, we know that every time, in bilaterals, we have been telling the Israelis that please, the settlement's not a good idea. Not do that. This is all... Resolve the issue, you know, but they are under the table. They do not come in the public domain. Now in India today, as we have we say that we have dehyphenated our policy with Palestine and therefore the, we had to come up with a balanced system. Right? That is one. Because Palestine cause the support for it has been always sacrosanct for India's foreign policy establishment for a very long time, before Mahatma Gandhi who first narrated out that. And what is our earlier stance? I'm not going to go into that. But Israel is also our very strong strategic partner, especially, and uh, has generally supported us. And in, in tech, technology, defense, uh, agriculture, in all key areas, it is very important. Now, I look at it from another point. Of view. Mm. You know, we we may not have, we, we are not going to condemn one or the other, right? So balance statement was there, and it was okay, fine. We mentioned everything, we asked for dialogue to happen, we asked for status quo to be maintained on all sides and things like that, those kind of, well, it carries some meaning. But what I feel is that since for us, West Asia is the most important, whatever happens there
0: has a direct impact on it. Ambassador I thank you so much once again for sharing your insights on West Asia. There is a fluid churn of events and events are still unfolding. So we will probably be talking to you again. Thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us.
1: Thank you again for
0: having me. Thank you and bye-bye.